You're listening to It's All Dead, a podcast about the music we love and why we love it. I'm Kyle Hawk. Welcome to It's All Dead. Thank you for joining us on our podcast again. Uh, you maybe, if you listen to this podcast regularly, you probably listened to our new podcast on Monday. I welcomed our writer, uh, writer Nadia Paiva onto the show to talk about uh, some of our end-of-the-year lists and rankings. I, of course, am Kyle Hawk, editor-in-chief at itsalldead.com. And uh, because our, our schedules were so wonky, we couldn't do one big uh, end-of-the-year podcast. But um, what would an end-of-a-year be without the wonderful and delightful Kyle Schultz coming onto the podcast to tell us about some of his favorite music of the year? So we're going to do that today, um, talk about some of our favorite albums, songs, and uh, some of just the takings place uh, in the year 2018, if that's a thing. I don't know. Uh, we'll find out. But uh, as we get into it, uh, welcome to the show, Kyle. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm very glad that uh, you could make time to come on in such a busy time of year. Um, but it's going to be fun. And I, I feel like of all of the years that we've done this, this year, I don't know if I'd call it you surprised me the most, but I feel like your choices were the most interesting. And I'm really excited to talk about them. That is unsettling to hear. <laughs> <laughs> Um, are you, uh, are you having anything to drink tonight? Uh, I have a Boston lager from Samuel Adams. Oh, nice. Going classic. Classic. Classic, uh, Boston lager. Um, I'm having a Leinenkugel Snowdrift Vanilla Porter, and, uh, I discovered this last winter. It's kind of, it's perfect for this time of year. It's very rich, uh, very good. But I looked up recently, uh, just in the past week, because it feels like, you know how some beers, it's like, oh, this can't be good for me. <laughs> <laughs> I looked it up, and the amount of calories in one 12-ounce beer of this is, um, maybe the right word is breathtaking. Um, it's, <laughs> I should hope so. So just know that I'm... I'm I'm harming myself quite mightily tonight by having this, but I should uh, hope it's so. It's the holidays, right? Oh yeah, those this things. This is the time of year where you can do this. <laughs> yeah, those things are brutal. They're basically a can of cocoa in a in a bottle. Yeah. Do you uh, you find this time of year that you indulge more in food and drink, or is it just kind of a a normal time? Because I've definitely been overdoing it, and and I'm. I feel like this is the thing now. It's like, hey, you know what? That's okay. You know, you can decide when it's time to, you know, get in shape or do what you need to do to be healthy. Um, but I, I've certainly not been uh, <laughs> making wise choices lately, I guess. Well, uh, if it puts it in perspective for you, I have been trying to kind of, you know, not overindulge. But I was in uh, Nashville for Thanksgiving. And because I couldn't bring leftovers with me, I came home and made myself an entire Thanksgiving meal out of spite. So <laughs> I, I've had two in the course of less than a month. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, tis the season, and uh, I know you really enjoy this time of year um, for a lot of reasons. I don't know how much you enjoy. I, I was talking about this on the podcast on Monday with Nadia about um, how much I love doing our end-of-the-year lists and how fun it is. I feel like it's fun for me. I don't know if it's fun for everybody else, uh, usually because I'm 
saying hey everybody come on write these things do you do you enjoy <laughs> kind of like going back at the end of the year and and going back over everything you listen to and trying to figure out what to include and in writing about it uh yeah no my biggest problem is i feel like i need to organize a bit better i tend to uh, listen to something early on and then kind of forget about it as more stuff comes out and then by the end of the year going back and trying to figure out what I enjoyed back in January or February and just kind of having that moment of like oh yeah that came out yeah whoops <laughs> <laughs> yeah that definitely happens during all this and it's gotten even more interesting by kind of adding a third regular writer to the mix um, although I found it kind of fun and so I kind of had in the back of my mind what I was going to include this year uh, before I did the the ask of you and Nadia, um, but I didn't I didn't really reveal my hand because I kind of wanted to see what you guys were going to share to see if there was any overlap. And Nadia uh, submitted hers first, and as I suspected, she had the Wonder Years in there, which I assumed uh, you might have in yours. And it seemed like uh, that was probably the case. So when I got your final list, at least of the albums, I was pretty surprised. And, and speaking of things that seemed forgotten, um, I want to start at one, the one that caught me the most off guard, and I, I just flat forgot about it, was Fall Out Boy's Mania. And maybe <laughs> not that I'd forgotten about the album. I mean, I kind of had, I guess. But I'd forgotten, like we did a whole podcast on it because you gave it like a stellar review. Um, we're super over the moon about this album, and I just completely forgot about that aspect. So jump back in here and tell me how uh, Fall Out Boy ended up number one on, on your list. I I have not stopped listening to it since it came out in February. Wow. Uh, it's been on a constant rotation the last year. Um, I've listened to it in almost no other Fall Out Boy albums this year. Uh, I loved it so much when it came out, I immediately bought a ticket to their show in Wrigleyville uh, just to see them went with some friends earlier this year just to enjoy the night and everything. And it's been nonstop all year long. I've loved every song on the album, and I'm not tired of it yet. Yeah, so I, that's what I was going to ask is, has it lost any of its luster for you? And it seems like it hasn't. Um, what would you say, what is it about this album that has stuck with you the most? I think it feels like the band has finally found the direction they have been trying to go the last few albums. Uh, Save Rock and Roll and you know American Beauty are really good albums. They have some really good songs on them, but they're, they feel a little patchwork. Uh, in retrospect and going back to them, not every song is as consistent as the one before it uh, or anything like that. And, you know, prior to their hiatus, it was all pop punk records, but at least they sounded coherent all the way through it. It didn't seem like they were kind of touch and go uh, with the songs, as good as those songs may have been. But Mania feels like they finally found their footing and everything they were kind of toying with the last few years, they put it all into motion perfectly and it just it rolls front to back um really really well so i guess i'll say what might surprise you in that um well i think maybe the expectation might be that i would be like oh this album isn't that good and it's not my favorite fallout boy album fallout boy album but so spotify does their end of the year stuff where they tell you like how much you've listened to and who you've listened to the most and they create this giant playlist of your most listened to songs and several of the songs from this album were on there and i haven't gone back and listened to this um like you have i mean pretty much after you know this spring i would say i kind of 
it kind of just left my consciousness. So I've been going back to it over the past week and it is really good. Like there are songs on this album that are, I think maybe some of the best songs they've ever written. And it's so crazy to me. Well, one that it didn't stick with me and two that it really didn't get talked about at the end of this year very much. Um, but yeah, I don't know. These, there's a lot of really great songs on here. Yeah. That's, what's kind of weird. It, you know, when it released earlier in the year, it had so much press and, uh, you know, goodwill behind it and it seemed to skyrocket all at once. And then it just kind of disappeared. You haven't really heard anything about it for a long time. And I feel like that might be part of the reason why they released a, a short EP like midway through the year too, just to kind of yeah. keep that momentum going just a little bit. That's a good point. And if you remember, it felt like Mania was coming forever. I, I remember it feels like forever ago when you and I were like chatting about how nervous we were about it. I mean, it, it was one of those albums that just kept getting pushed back. So when it finally got here, um, I think maybe that threw me off a little bit. Um, but in, in terms of the songs on it, you had uh, on our best songs of the year list, you chose, uh, what was the one you chose? Church? Church, yeah. Is that the name of it? Yeah. And that was a surprising choice to me as well. I feel like for me on this album, the ones I, I've really been enjoying are a bit more of the in-your-face, bombastic big songs like hold me tighter down or last of the real ones uh talk a little bit about church and what stuck out to you uh, about that song specifically um kind of the same thing for me a lot of their best songs in the record were the popular like radio ready uh singles that seem primed to get that but what i love most about classic fallout boy uh a lot is how off guard you were caught sometimes by their softer music like uh mm. golden uh, it's always takes place right in the center of the record and you don't really see it yep. coming, but it's just, it's something that stands out, but it still fits in with the album. And that's the same way I felt with church. It's kind of a, a throwback to their classic albums where they have all these great singles and just crazy pop and rock songs. And then they step back and get something softer. And it's not as softer as acoustic as some of their past releases, but it's so different than anything else on the album. It just, there's a church choir, there's a heavy beat, um, I don't, I don't know. There's just a feeling behind it that's unlike any other song on there. Yeah, damn, that was a fantastic uh, explanation. I, I, you're welcome. I, you're right. You're totally right, though, about there being a song like that on their albums, and I, Golden is kind of the perfect example of uh, that. Really throws you for a loop on Infinity on High, but in the terms of the whole, it really makes a lot of sense, and I think it's the same with this track as well so nicely done good job i think you defended your position quite well Hooray! <laughs> um, <laughs> so i i talked briefly on the podcast naughty about architects holy hell and i want to bring it up again here uh, because i know this is an album that you listen to mostly on my recommendation i think yeah um and i know you mentioned that you enjoyed it i i've written enough about this and probably talked enough about it at this point to get my point across with it um, I, I think it's extremely powerful. I think it's unbelievable what the band was able to accomplish given the circumstances uh, with Tom Surley passing away. But as, as a first time or a new listener to Architects, what was your impression of that album like coming in kind of fresh, I guess? Um, honestly, I, I'm hard to sell for uh, metalcore and screamo sometimes. Just it. As someone who listens to a lot of pop punk, this is going to sound ridiculous, but it all kind of blends together to me sometimes. And uh, after 
I don't know if it would have been exactly the same had you not kind of given me the backstory behind the album, but listening to it and hearing the way they've reinvented themselves but managed to stay the same band after losing their primary songwriter uh, was really impressive. It's one of those things that catch you off guard and you really sit and listen to it to give them a moment of time. And I really, really was impressed with just the sound of it. Uh, there's sincere anguish in the lyrics uh the lyricism yeah. is poetic and heartbreaking it's just it hit everything i kind of wanted and it honestly blew my mind i they're a band i've heard a lot about the last few years i haven't sat with them and holy hell being the first time i actually really listened to them it honestly uh took my breath away yeah um, and, you know, if you listen to us, if you listen to this podcast and you haven't listened to Architects, um, I'd recommend checking out Holy Hell. I think it's one of the best albums this year. It is heavy. It is metalcore, but they're the best band doing it right now, in my opinion. Um, and just the quick backstory, Tom Surley, the lead guitarist and songwriter for this band, died of cancer. Um, and this is the first album released by this band after the fact. And uh, Tom's brother, Dan, who's also the drummer for Architects, wrote... Uh, the songs and the, and the lyrics for this album and you know all things considered I mean it definitely adds an emotional punch to it but it's it's beautiful um, it's painful and I, I just think it's kind of a perfect encapsulation of what what it's like to work through that grief or what I can only imagine it's like so um, a, a really brilliant album worth checking out um, let's talk about Justin Pierre for a minute this is one that kind of snuck in the back door at the end of the year um, I didn't even realize he had a solo album coming out until you covered uh, one of his shows and then reviewed his uh, debut solo album in the drink, Justin Pierre being uh, formerly singer of Motion City Soundtrack. For anybody that hasn't had a chance to check this out um, or, or maybe didn't even know that this was happening, give us a little bit of uh, insight into what this album is about and why it ended up so high on, on your list. Uh, I've liked Motion City Soundtrack for a long time. I wouldn't say they've been, you know, one of my favorite bands, but they're a group that I've followed for a long time, and they're just a fun listen. Their songs are uh, really well written. The lyricism is really funny. There's a lot of self-deprecation, like really deep emotional insights to a lot of it, and uh, when they went away a few years ago, it was kind of disappointing because they're just one of those weird quirks in the genre that doesn't come up very often, uh, if at all. And it was sad to see that go. And when I found out Justin Pierre had a solo album coming out and he played almost every instrument on the record and just took a very hands-on approach to it, I really couldn't wait to see what it was. And um, much to his benefit and detriment, it sounds like a Motion City soundtrack record. And I don't have a problem with that because it was already a unique enough sound as it was. And... Mm -hmm. Uh, it follows that it takes some twists with that uh, style of songwriting, but the depth of the lyricism, uh, you know, the humor is still there. There's still just jabs at, you know, dark humor and stuff like that. And it's just, it's a fun album. And it really made me happy that Motion City was as sincere as they were because, you know, he had his chance to just do his own thing no expectation for a band or anything like that just this is me and it made me appreciate motion city more knowing that uh you know the songs he wrote for it really were just him being there 
Yeah, definitely. And you did a fantastic job writing about it this year. I think it was kind of helped put it all into perspective for me as far as what this is about. And it does kind of feel like an album for the fans, which I think is is really cool um, that fans of this band can kind of continue um, on in, in listening to, to Justin, knowing that the spirit of what he's done in the past is still there um, while he's beginning to explore a little bit of, of who he is as an artist. And so it, that was kind of a, a cool thing um, to see this year. And I, w- I was not at all surprised to see that uh, show up on the list for you. Um, <laughs> what The next one I wanted to talk about, uh, Panic at the Disco, um, Pray for the Wicked. This is this is one that we didn't talk about a ton this year. Um, I know we did the podcast after Death of a Bastard, which I believe, actually, I, I know for a fact that it's not even close that Best of Panic at the Disco podcast is our most listened to episode of all time. Um, <laughs> and I feel like we need to do another one after this because he is, Brendan Yuri has become a beast all his own. And a lot of people might argue that, you know, panic is past fallout boy in popularity as of 2018. Um, yet you placed mania above pray for the wicked. Talk a little bit about, you know, this album obviously is on your list, so it matters, but uh, why it lands where it does and, and what, what it was about this album for you this year. Uh, I think for me, it timing was really good for it. It came out at the end of June and during the summer months, I just go out and walk in Chicago and, uh, you know, just go off for a couple hours and explore or something. And it's just, it's a, for one, it's his best pop album. Uh, hands down. It's so good. In fact, it made me go back and listen to death of a bachelor and appreciate it more, even though I wasn't the biggest fan of it when it came out a couple years ago. Um, Pray for the Wicked is very well written. The songs are a lot better. I like that there's a theme to it, as loose as it may be, or as kind of, uh, you know, mushed down as it might be. There is a subtle theme of just the price you pay for uh, superstardom and how dark that can be, even though the songs are as glitzy as they can possibly be. Uh, it's unique in the pop realm. He was really adding a lot of Vegas flair to it that made the original Panic at the Disco albums uh, really stand out. And it seems like everything he's done up to this point, he's really putting into practice in different ways. So it's making Panic at the Disco a pop sensation instead of, you know, the emo boys they used to be. But yeah. it's really staying true to their original style and their original uh, sense of songwriting. And I do think Brendan Urie is a bigger draw now than Fall Out Boy are, but he's also doing this almost entirely on his own, uh, kind of bringing that band back from the ashes and really putting a new spin on it that no one else in music is really trying. Yeah, it's undeniably impressive what he's been able to accomplish, and it's been fascinating to watch. And as for, you know, as hard as I was on Death of a Bachelor when it came out, um, I really, to me, this feels like the album that um, was coming all along. And if Death of yeah. a Bachelor is what brought us here, like that makes total sense to me. Um, and it, it's been really, it's incredible to continue to watch him evolve as an artist and just explode in ways that I, I don't think I ever could have imagined. You know, my, I've got uh, nieces and nephews that are really into Panic of the Disco that they couldn't tell you who Ryan Ross was. You know what I mean? It's like, oh no. He is, <laughs> he's just transcended I I think those early days and become an artist all his own 
um, and is just as relevant now, like to people that don't even know about what happened 12 years ago or, you know, whenever fever came out. So it's just, it's fascinating to, to see all that. Um, one of the albums I didn't mention on the last podcast I wanted to bring up here was Pusha T's Daytona. I, I really wanted to, to speak on this one. Um, I, I wrote in the blurb about, uh, you know, how clips kind of soundtracked my, my freshman year of college and how incredible it is to see 16 years later, Pusha T release what is, you know, arguably his, his best work. And there's something to be said for a seven minute, or sorry, a seven track, 21 minute album that says exactly what it needs to say in that amount of time. You know, we've had so many conversations of like, what even is an album? What is the value of an album? Daytona, while being fantastic in terms of just Pusha T, like literally perfecting the, you know, the coke rap sound that he kind of popularized in the early 2000s it's also the perfect length and it, it, there's no filler it's exactly what it needs to be um and it's just it's an incredible album in terms of just like what rap music can be and has been and, and still is and i just I, I love it i i didn't get to mention it on the last podcast so i wanted to bring it up here if you haven't listened to daytona it's only 20 minutes 21 minutes long just look <laughs> it up um it, it is well worth your time um before we talk about a few songs uh, what were your feelings on a country music album landing at number one? Uh, I was a little surprised. I <laughs> didn't see that one coming. Um, I've listened to a couple of her songs. I haven't gotten a chance to hear the whole album yet, but I really enjoy Casey Musgraves a lot. Uh, I didn't know that you enjoyed Casey Musgraves. <laughs> I kept it close to the vest until it came time. Um, sneaky, you know, it felt sneaky. like, yeah. It felt like Architects was going to take it, but really, the more I thought about it, the more I talked about it, I spent I spent way too long thinking about this stuff, Kyle. It's insane. <laughs> but I really came to the conclusion that this was the best album for this year. And and really, I'm going to boil it down. Uh, I, I wrote about a lot of reasons. I think one of the main reasons for me, and this is something I want to talk about. We'll talk about this really quickly before we get to the songs. You know, 2018 was a year for me in which music was like, very firmly divided between songs that had something to say. And certainly this year, there were a lot of things that needed to be said. And there were a lot of conversations to be had that were very important. Um, there, there was also music that was an escape from all of the shit that was 2018. And for me, Golden Hour was that, uh, was that album. It's a perfect example of what that album was for me. A, a respite, a reprieve a shelter from just kind of the noise and madness um, of this past year. And I actually think that that, you know, for all the, all the music we pointed out that had something really powerful to say, something really important to add to the conversation. Um, this was a year for me in which I needed music to kind of help me get away from just the news and the, and the grind of, uh, just this time that we're in. And, mm -hmm. and for me, that that's kind of where that album came into play. Um, and I don't know. I, I think about this stuff way too hard. I know that. Um, but that, that was something that felt important for me to kind of, I think, talk about at the end of this year. Yeah, no, it's, it's good. It's a, uh, it's one of those things that can really enhance your mood without dampening anything. Yeah. I mean, did you did you feel that with music this year? I mean, was it just me or did it feel like it was a 
I mean, this year, I mean, there was just so much happening, but there was a lot of music that was trying to make sense of it, I feel like, which is good. But there, I, I just found myself kind of coiling back into some of those more comforting albums. I don't know. Yeah, I've uh, noticed that kind of like with Brian Fallon's uh, release early in the year, it was gentler than I kind of expected it to be in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff like that where what I noticed was either an artist was trying really hard to find something to talk about or start a conversation with something, or uh, as Fall Out Boy and Panic kind of showed, it's a lot of musicians kind of finally finding what they were searching for the last couple of years. Yeah, definitely. Um, speaking of Brian Fallon, let's talk a little bit about Little Nightmares. This was an album. I remember you saying that you were going to write about it, and I know you're a big Brian Fallon fan. Um, of course, the album review didn't happen, and your blurb on Little Nightmares makes sense of that. Talk a little bit about that experience and and what uh, what put this song on on your list. Uh, Little Nightmares is an album, or it's a song that actually stopped what I was doing, and kind of stopped me from writing everything for a while. Uh, I was listening to Sleepwalkers when it came out, and um, I'm going to feel real bad if that's not the actual name of that album. Uh, it is. <laughs> yes! Winning! No, I was listening to it when it came out, and uh, on a Saturday morning in February, uh, just listening to the music, and the lyrics for this song hit me so hard, I just kind of started crying, and uh, sat back in my chair and just read them i listened to it again and just turned it off the idea behind it of uh two people who are just kind of breaking uh internally and they're trying to fix each other but don't quite know how to get it done and they're both just reflecting on each other and just begging the other not to go while they're both collapsing um just it it tore at me way too bad <laughs> Yeah, and it, well, that... there's you know a silver lining. It ends on a happy note, or at least uh, with hints of it. But it was just, it was too much for me. It might be one of the songs that affected me the most this year. Yeah, definitely. Those are always the the tough ones to know how to place and how to make sense of. But you're right up on that. It was it was fantastic. Um, so and and thank you for sharing that story because I think that was that was really powerful to to see and to read. Um, one of your songs that surprised me was Suzuki by Saves the Day. And not that I was surprised to see Saves the Day on the list, but for as much as you talked about it, I think the closing track on that album was called 29, if I remember right. If I'm wrong, yes. you can punch me. <laughs> uh, but that was a song that I, I heard you talk about a lot. And so when this one snuck in in its place, I was a little uh, little surprised. Well, um, I was torn with it. I really enjoyed the new Saves the Day album. Uh, and 29 is unique it's a 21 minute song that's basically six or seven songs just smashed together to make one essentially uh one solid ep describing all so the first eight songs are just meta and just very thank you for listening to album number nine yeah and then 29 (laughs) just condenses it all into classic saves the day uh, lyricism where he's telling about real stories but it's you know uh, fictionalized it's very poetic it's you get a imagery but not really the full story behind it and I was in love with that song but it wasn't what the essence of Nine was uh, Nine itself was just 
the weird album. It's it's an album that knows its music. It knows that's being written at the time. It knows uh, you know who's been following the band, and that the fact it knows that Chris is writing it currently, and that it's out. It had a theme song for the band, and you know. 29 is amazing, but that's not what 9 was. And Suzuki really uh, played mm-hmm. off of that, where it's just, it's a minute and 20 seconds. It's a jam. The entire thing describes, you know, the room he was in when he started writing Can't Slow Down and talking about the furniture in the room and the people that helped him get there and thanking the fans for everything. And that's what 9 was about. And that's uh, why Suzuki got it more than anything else. Yeah, excellent. Great explanation. You you're on point tonight. You came prepared. I I like that. Um, I haven't told you how many Sam Adams I've had. <laughs> well, have another one on me. Um, <laughs> I one of the I, I feel bad about this, and I was just thinking about it as we were recording this. Um, honorable mentions on both songs of the year and album of the year uh was as it is they put out an album called the great depression i think you wrote the review on it Mm -hmm. Uh, i had them on the podcast earlier this summer i really was a big uh really huge on on that album and what it was doing um i thought it was fantastic i put uh the stigma boys don't cry which i think is track three on that album on our audible mentions list that was an album i feel like kind of got overlooked but i know you listened to it and really liked it so i wanted to give us just a moment to kind of like talk about that album. And I, I know my reasons that I didn't, it ultimately didn't make the cut mostly because it was kind of a, um, a reflection on kind of an older sound. So it wasn't necessarily pushing the, the, uh, the envelope forward in any real way, but it was a really solid representation of music at a specific time. Um, I, I don't know, but I know you enjoyed that album as well. Did you have any, did it even come up for you in thinking about end of the year stuff? Um, I thought about it for songs. I didn't quite have it placed for, uh, album of the year, even though I really did enjoy it. Um, as it is, are one of my favorite bands when a new release is coming out because so far they've surprised me almost every time. Uh, you know, their, yeah. their first relief, their first release I was in love with. I'm still in love with. Um, yeah. Their second one, uh, I wasn't as big of a fan of, but it was an expansion of sound. And this one, uh, The Great Depression, I really enjoyed because it was an intentional throwback. Uh, it's something that's going back to the sound that really inspired them to be a band. And even the visual flares of the music videos, uh, it's really taken cues off that. And it was something, there's something unique in how ununique it is. And I really liked. Uh, the lyricism, the songwriting for it. And you can tell that the band's really pushing themselves. But um, I feel like the Great Depression is another stepping stone that's getting where as it is needs to go. And it's an evolution by looking backwards for them. And I thought that was a Mm. really unique uh, point of view. Yeah, fantastic. You nailed it again. Um, (laughs) Well, in the spirit of keeping this at at 30 minutes and, and wrapping up, let's quickly talk about 2018 and music. I would probably say this every year. Wow, what a great year in music. This one, this really was, and the reason I know it was is because I had a really hard time uh, with my list because, and not for a lack of good music because it was just too much really to talk about. Um, And I know all of us made changes 
to our initial lists that we all presented, even down to like the final day, we were still making some changes to them. Uh, it tells me that this was a a very unique and interesting year in music, but I, I just think there was a lot of really great stuff out this year. Yeah, it, um, there were a lot of really good releases. I had, uh, for me, especially pop music, really caught me off guard. Uh, Panic at the Disco and Fall Out Boy being at the top of that uh, for me personally. Um, everything else I listened to, it wasn't as good as I'd hoped it would be compared to years past. I know like a few years ago, it's just, you know, it seemed like there was an album a week coming out that we couldn't wait to listen to. And uh, 2018 had a lot of downtime for me where it was just, you know, a month going mm -hmm. by and I'd look at, you know, releases coming out or artists putting something out and just being very uninterested. And uh, like I said before, I think for me anyway, uh, what I listened to, there were a lot of bands either finding what they were looking for or they're still kind of uh, searching it out. And I feel like this was a stepping stone year that will lead to something great in the year to come. Yeah, very cool. Well, thank you for all of your contributions to our end of the year lists and this podcast. And uh, thank you again for another year of awesome work at It's All Dead. It's uh, been cool to see everything that you've written and glad that you're still doing this with us. Uh, thank you, mister. <laughs> I'm having fun. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> um well, this will be our last podcast for the year. Uh, we'll be back in the new year with uh, some of our most anticipated music. Uh, I'm sure we'll do another hip-hop title belt podcast. Um, I want to talk about the Grammys because we haven't really talked about that too much, but Under Oath is nominated for a Grammy. The Fever 333 is nominated. Bring Me the Horizons nominated for a Grammy. Yeah. It's a really weird year, and I feel like we should talk about it, so we will probably do that. But for now, we will leave you with this. Um, hope everybody has a great holiday season. And I'll say this uh, because I know that I'm prone to it and because I feel it. Um, this is a time of year where um, it, it can be hard. And, you know, if you deal with depression, uh, if you've had, you know, loss in your life that kind of the holiday season amplifies, um, remember to reach out to friends. Remember to reach out to family. Um, talk through it and, uh, and and seek out the music that kind of um, brings some hope to your heart. Um, I had to do that just last week. And I, I know that, um, I know it's a difficult time. I also know that, um, there's, there's hope to be found with, uh, the people around us and, and the music we love as well. So, um, hope that you all are able to find, uh, peace and, uh, and some joy this holiday season. In the meantime, thank you for listening. Thank you for coming to the website. Um, follow us along we will be back in the new year that's going to do it for now kyle thank you so much for joining tonight well thank you sir appreciate it and that will do it uh we'll catch you next time thanks for listening to the it's all dead podcast if you like what you heard be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app then visit us at itsalldead.com for the latest music news reviews and much more